Welcome to the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association. We are your source on what's going on at the university, the Alumni Association, and all things Runner Nation. Because now and forever, we are Roadrunners. Roadrunners. Welcome, Runner Nation, to another episode of the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association, a podcast by runners for runners. And I'm your host, Drew Addison. With me, as always, is my beautiful wife, Yvonne. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. UTSA football is still on a roll. We got yeah. wins against UAB and UNT, which are typically two games that I do not look forward to watching each year because it's a nail, biter. nail biters. But got away with wins on both of them. And for, really, for the first time, a win in Denton against, U, against UNT. And, uh, well, uh, since the last 10 year in the last, last 10, 10 years. years yeah well i mean how long how old do we get a win in year one? Oh, i don't even know i don't think so but we had the utsa forever rowdy tailgate travel there in denton so it was good to see everybody turn out for that and this week we welcome the rice owls into the alamo dome uh, for the game on saturday and uh, don't forget that the kickoff is at 6 30 p.m with the forever rowdy tailgate opening three hours before 3 30 p.m uh, the attendance is free family friendly coupons to buy food and drink are going to be listed on the show notes so make sure you get your coupons before you get there to really get after it as soon as you get in. Yeah. Only two home games left this Saturday and next Friday. So don't miss out. If you haven't been to a game yet, come check out our amazing UTSA Rotor football. Only two more home games. And no, man, I believe it went by so fast. Craziness. Well, Yvonne, what do we have going on at the University and the Alumni Association? I wanted to mention uh, that UTSA has received a $1 million gift from former AT&T CEO Ed Whitaker and his wife Linda, who have been longtime supporters of UTSA. With this gift, they'll be supporting the Margie and Bill Clessy College of Engineering and Integrated Design and UTSA Athletics. Half of the contribution is going to establish an endowment directly supporting the Clessy College's Student Success Center, which we have personal involvement with the Student Success Center has been just a tremendous resource for students. And we have witnessed that firsthand. So uh, this is just an amazing transformational gift towards that program. And then the other half of their gift is going to go towards the new athletic facility, the 50,000 square foot basketball and volleyball training facility for student athletes. And it's going to be adjacent to the race facility. It'll house two full-size NCAA practice courts, a 3,000 square foot weight room, a 1,000 square foot training room for sports medicine, and then, of course, locker rooms and coaches' offices. And this building is going to be an additional feather in our hat for the resources and support that our student athletes have for what they do on the field, on the court, and in the classroom. So thank you so much to the Whitakers for their generosity. And speaking of generosity, let's do a quick update on the half billion dollar capital campaign going on. We're halfway through the campaign and we have already fundraised over $380 million that's been donated by 46,137 donors, a majority of which are UTSA alumni. So thank you all so much for continuing to give and support UTSA in any way, shape, or form that you can. We are just tremendously proud of the support that the community and beyond. I mean, these gifts have come from over 22 countries and we've racked up over 140,000 gifts and pledges through this campaign. So thank you all so much. We cannot express enough how much we appreciate the generosity. It is incredible. And it's going to be amazing to see the transformation of the of the campus as these new buildings get built. And even the building of the new dormitories and everything else where we're prepping for expansion and it's happening right before our very eyes. So it is an amazing accomplishment that this whole program has been. And uh, props to President Amy and his team on getting the bold campaign to where it is today and uh, to all of you donors as well. Thank you so much. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the episode today. And I'm really excited about this guest as we welcome class of 2003 from the Alvarez College of Business, Cesar Zapata, owner of Sangria on the Berg. Cesar is also an alumni of the Food Network. 
network at Guy Fieri's grocery games where he plays second place, but you make it on the food network. Oh my God. You're on to something, awesome. right? Uh, but it's been an interesting ride for Caesar. He opened Sangria on the Berg in 2016 and said that his love for food started young while he was growing up in the small town of Mankati, Texas. Uh, it's a little town with less than 800 people, pretty close to our hometown of Corpus Christi, Texas. <laughs> Uh, and in 1999, Zapata enrolled in UTSA College of Business with the goal of opening up his own restaurant one day because he was working in restaurants at the time. And he even said that the idea for the restaurant Sangria on the Berg was in the works the whole time while he was attending UTSA. So give the episode a listen. Hang around for after the interview as we'll go over a couple more things happening at the University Alumni Association. And we'll be back in a bit. Birds up. Birds up. Now, as a college of business alumni myself, uh, I'm always fascinated by entrepreneurship. Yvonne, you as an entrepreneur and yeah. also an alumni of the college of business. Yeah. It's great when we have a chance to speak to an entrepreneur that is UTSA alumni. Yes. And today is a really great example of an entrepreneur and one of the toughest business out there today. Yeah. We welcome Cesar Cepeda from Sangria on the Berg. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, we have a lot to talk about, and it's really, really fascinating the the path that you took, especially with regards from coming from a small town like Banketti, Texas. So let's go ahead and start there. Tell us about your time at Banketti slash Kyle Allen. We had a little bit of discussion <laughs> before we hit record, but uh, tell us about Banketti and then your thought of coming into UTSA. A uh, little town, you know, it was uh, everything was far away. When you went to the store, you planned it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, living in a big city like this, it, it, it's crazy to go to HB like right there. Like, right. No, yeah. It wasn't like that. It was, it was a very interesting. Like we're not going back. Right. So we're not getting it. You don't get, right. you don't get toothpaste until next, next week. week. <laughs> exactly. So um, you know, coming from there, I, I was very fortunate to go to a small school. I, I you know, I kind of. I wish my kids had that, you know, now that I'm seeing them grow up and seeing them go to a, a bigger schools, I'm like, man, we, you know, my guys from high school, we just hung out this past weekend. And right. I think we'll hang up every weekend. Like we're, we're that close. So that small nip community, everybody knew you. And, you know, I talked to my, my son about sports and, you know, I talk about all that uh, that I did. And he's like, man, you must have been good. I was like, no, I was only, I, was, I, was, I think I was good, uh, you know, as one of 22 guys. So I got a lot of opportunity. And it's funny that I think about that now. And I think it led to a lot of my confidence, oh, wow. you know, and um, why I've been able to do what, what I've done. You know, I was president of everything in my class. And it was just kind of like, oh, it's just that guy. Even even his little trip with my friends are like, I still made all the decisions. It's really strange. And um, I always thought it was really strange. I'm the shortest dude of all of them. I'm like six, seven. And they're just looking at me to make the decision. So um, so I think that led to a lot of, of who I am. Oh, wow. Going to a small town, being doing everything. Like, I did everything. It was nuts. I played every sport. Mm -hmm. And when, like, I would, when I went to school, because I would go to one sport to another sport, and I would just, you know, played a lot. So um, getting, leaving to the big city, right, San Antonio, was, mm -hmm. was a huge move. And uh, I wanted to, to go far enough, but not so far. So dad's right there to help me if right. I need help. Sure. So San Antonio made a lot of sense. Um, I had an academic scholarship. Uh, to UTSA. I wow. also, also had an athletic scholarship to uh, Louisiana Tech. Um, oh, wow. And my dad's like, no. <laughs> I'm taking the athletic, the academic for sure. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I was a powerlifter and that was my thing. I was wow. nationally ranked and that was my, oh my, gosh, my huge, awesome. you know, but I'm still hurting from those injuries. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of you trying to stress your body to lift that much weight. You know, I'm telling, I work with my son every day now. I'm like, so there's things that, you know, I, I kind of want you to play sports and I kind of don't, right, <laughs> you know, yeah. because, you know, the physical tear on your, on your body sure. is just something else. So, um, so obviously I, I took in, and San Antonio was, I don't know, it was a little sexy to me, right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Man, it's a bit, you know, it's big, but it's kind of small, but it's still big. And, yeah. So um, no family or anybody here I when did, you, I you did came to UTSA? I did have an this? uncle. I okay. live here and, um, but you know. I was just busy. You know, I worked, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I had a scholarship with paid for school, but, you know, living expenses and, you know, yeah, vehicle all and all that stuff. I, I worked constantly. So mm -hmm. I was in the restaurant industry since I was 16. Wow. So transferred up here to uh, Tony Roma's on I-10. <gasps> oh. uh, it's not there anymore. But, yeah. yeah. That was kind of like my buddy from high school worked there. Um, so, and we were having students come to UTSA from, from Bay County. So I had some familiar faces, which was, which was oh, more nice. comfortable. Okay. And a lot of my class came too. So mm. my best friends, we moved over here together. So it was a little, yeah. we had a little community little pack, of yeah. Banketti people that, we, that. You led that the pack. Understood. Everybody saw you were coming to UTSA. You know? <laughs> 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 
at then, at that point, it was a small school. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's small but big. You know, I thought it was big, but then you see it now, and it was a tiny little school back then. It was 99. Right. So um, transferred up here and, you know, started, I lived, moved here on a Thursday. I started working on a Friday, and, you know, I was uh, not a, I, I had to work. You know, it wasn't, you know, my, my dad would help me if I needed help, but I, I was pretty independent mm. as far as making money. So. Well, so I, I kind of want to get a bit of the roots of your uh, cooking style. Gotcha. Living in Banchetti, uh, uh, living on, I'm sure, a piece of property out there. In my own experience, we always had a place to go on the weekends where I learned a lot about barbecuing myself, right? And I feel like that's where a lot of experimenting happens and processes and timing and uh, heat control and things like that come into play. Is that kind of where you got your taste in? to um, the barbecue style? It was, it was, it was, you know, my grandfather did weddings, quinceaneras, you know, funerals, like whatever it was asking, uncle, ask, asking uncle Joe to cook for your, your, um, your event was, I think he was flattered to be asked. I wouldn't call it a catering business because catering businesses make money. <laughs> um, I would, you know, he was just, he was, it was his love. Like it was his, his way to express himself. So I'm, I'm almost positive he lost every single time, but um, it was a barter system. He would, oh, you do this and you work at your son does my yard and like all the, I yeah, remember listening to yeah. him like, yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> and, um, and by going to his house was, 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 you had a job because yeah. he was cooking like three barbecue pits and there's a hundred and 300, 200 people out there. And so it was the rice beans and, and carne asada and, and chicken and sausage and all this stuff going on. So, um, I learned through that initially watching him this, you know, I tell you what, like, I, I still think it's the smells. I, I, I've learned how to cook through smell and wow. when it smells like his house, it's, probably right, right. You know? yeah. uh, my grandmother was uh, the tamale queen of corpus yeah. oh, so okay. um but, you know all i say all this but growing up it was like God, yeah. Yeah. So, there's gonna be something to do so yeah. in december it was you know like 600 dozen tamales oh my gosh and, um, i told wow. a story on another podcast before and I, I never forget going over there and you you know I'm sorry if I cuss. No, um, you, you had a crap job, you know. The younger you were, the crappier job you had, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and so you know, the guys would all stand out and cook the meat. The grand women were inside making the masa, and and there was corn shucks everywhere. I remember thinking, like, man, this is this doesn't seem right, you know. Like we are all like the whole families are in their house making tamales, and there's there's pots everywhere. There's like three stoves on the back porch, and. Totally not health, you know, health, <laughs> health code approved. And I remember my dad's like, Dad, this doesn't seem, and we're in a witch's pot outside with all the meat and someone's oh, yeah. pulling the meat. And it's just all this stuff. Hands are everywhere and this. The whole family's there and you had to go because grandma needed help, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I said, Dad, like, it doesn't seem like this is legal, you know? Like, it should, you know, it shouldn't, this isn't right. He's like, well, it's like, maybe. It's like, come on here. So I we went to the front and in front, like the kids would, you know, the, I mean, the people order, you know, two dozen, four dozen, six dozen, ten dozen. And there was a line of cars down the road because she lived like in the barrio in Cal Allen. Mm. And there was a line. He's like, well, we might be in trouble, but if we are, there's a chief police and there's the mayor <laughs> and there's yeah. the judge and there they're all this line at my grandma's house. So the kids would run the bags out and hopefully get like a quarter or a dollar yeah. or something. So we'd run out there like, you know, waiting for some, some tip. tip. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that was that was a kid's job. So I'll never forget that. You know, he's like, well, we might be in trouble, but. I don't think so. Right. <laughs> I think we'll be fine because <laughs> everybody ordered tamales from my grandmother. It was, wow. it was a thing. So uh, learning that way, and again, the smells going to her house. Like, right. I don't know if that was the best smell, but you know, <laughs> you know, but, you know like my, my grandfather's. They were like the the beginning of the barrio. So, so when you drove by and you didn't stop, they they would call you out. Mm-hmm. Like that was my grandma was. Mean woman, and like, hey, I saw you drive by. Why didn't you stop? Sorry, I was in a hurry. So you stopped and you got something. She was like that lady that fed everybody. Wow! And she would just turn over like the beans, the refried beans. It's kind of gross. Refried beans would be cooking, and like, I don't know if they ever changed the pot. I'm not exaggerating. (laughs) You just had the Folgers can of bacon grease, and you put a little more bacon grease, and you stirred it up, and you got some bread, and you made some some moyetes. You know, you made you made something for your guests that are coming over. Mm. So there was like it was like this constant need to have food for your guests, Mm -hmm. even if you didn't know guests were coming. I always found that really fascinating. Like. Just and we'd case. have holidays and we'd have all this. Th- yeah, just in case. And and we knew who was coming. One of my uncles is in Africa. Like, they were all over. So I knew it was just going to be, like, three three families, which is, for ours, a really small gathering. Right. And so I was like, 
we got off the phone with them. We talked to them. So he didn't know. And I thought this old man's going crazy, you know? And I was like, you know, it's just us, right? Because he had this massive pit full of brisket and sausage and chicken. It's like, it's, it's just us, you know? He's like, yeah, but in case they decide to come, I'll be ready. Wow. And there was like no way they could come. Right. He was in yeah. Africa. He's in Africa. And he was like, and that was, you know, if that like told you the story about my grandfather, like that was his love language, mm. right? That was his like, I, if they come, Right, yeah. And even though it was like impossible, and then by and people would show up and he was like, take a plate, take a plate. And he would just that, that was kind of, that was what I was, I grew up around. In the country, you know, I, I grilling and smoking, all that was just what I learned. And then I worked on a ranch. And again, I don't know why, but I was like, pick the cook. And I'm, like, <laughs> well, I'm gonna cook. And then, you know, I started using some of my grandpa's techniques, my dad's technique, and cooking, smoking, or they're cooking over open fire, two different, whole different techniques, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but I started just getting good at it. Mm. Okay, that's what I have to do. And it was like, hey, you know, we worked in a ranch, like I said, and, you know, kill a whole steer, cooking a whole steer today. Like, wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. And I'm like 15, 16, like, all right, you know, let's figure this out. And so, we, you know, we grew up doing that, you know, butchering whole animals and mm-hmm. things like that. So that was kind of, it wasn't a, you know, say I didn't go to culinary school. I kind of did. Butchering and all that, you took apart whole animals. It was just kind of like what we did. Right. Yeah. And so um, I learned that as just almost a necessity as being like accepted into this other family's ranch mm-hmm. where if I had a job, like yeah, they needed me. It was, it was kind of that thing. And so, wow. um, you know, and never forgetting the smell and the flavors from my grandfather's and moving them into barbecue, that was a huge part of kind of my, what I did. Right. So you come to the UCSA in 99. Um, did you have it in your in your thought that, you know, I'm going to get my business degree and then go into the restaurant business? Um, I knew I loved it. I worked at a little place in, in Robstown called Las Palmas. It was on 77 and 44. Booming little restaurant. They moved. 75 and over, so it kind of killed them uh, when mm. they went around town instead of going through right, yeah, yeah. So that kind of killed her. But um, I knew I loved it. I knew I loved the fact that, you know, bringing people joy through food is is very um, selfish a little bit because, mm. like, they have instantaneous. You know, you look at yeah. like, yeah. You don't do that in other industries. Like, if you make a car, you don't see the person enjoy the car, right? Right. But you see them, like, the food, they're like, oh, my God. That's a drink. And first of all, it was drinks, by the way. Bartending was my first, you know, I was got really good at that. Okay. I wanted to open a club. That was my first wow. initial thing. Okay. I'm going to come to San Antonio. I'm going to open a club. That's, <laughs> you know, I got old and that. I'm not that life anymore. But um, but I knew business was my was my thing. Yeah. So, um, and then I just kind of got better and better and better. Worked in the industry and worked my way up from... Dishwasher to busser to server to bartender to manager and just kind of kept working my way up. So you've worked for multiple restaurants too and kind of get the feel of it and and kind of leading you down this path. And even on the employee side of the food service industry is a fast pace, high turnover type of business, right? You know, how do you maintain that lifestyle and maintain your grades at the same time as a student? Um, I, you know, I kind of did, did my thing, you know, as far as, you know, when I was a student, I bartended three or four days a week and, um, in the summer I'd prep cook. So, you know, I'd had less classes. I would take make one class. It was not a big deal. Mm. So I would bartend or prep cook in the morning, go home, take a shower, come back and bartend at night. I needed to make a, as much money as possible to get me through the, the semester. So that's what I did. Uh, so it really wasn't, um, I just, I, when I wasn't at school, I was working. Okay. And I, when I wasn't there, I was at IHOP studying. Yeah. And so that's yeah. Yeah, that little circle. That's what, that's what I did. I, I wanted, honestly, I really wanted to get school behind me. Yeah. So just really quickly, finish. what's prep cook? What is that? Okay, so you are. Um, I mean, it sounds obvious, but what no, does that no, no. Entail, it's really? you know, you think about people cooking on the line. Uh huh. Like when they order, you order yeah, something. Yeah, you order something. Like, they're like they're taking the things that the preps, the prep cooks prepped, and they're you know, I'd say they're more warming it up and getting it ready for plate. Uh, but okay. a lot of the the real cutting and chopping and sauces and all that come from your prep cooks. Gotcha. So that's okay. a real strong place where you want someone that's very consistent, follows recipes, doesn't mess up, shows up, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's a very consistent, you know, the, the restaurant that's like the heart, you know, the, it's usually, you know, in Mexican restaurants, a bunch of old ladies back there making the beans and the rice and all the things that like, that you kind of don't think about, but are super important to what you do. The most important. Yeah. You, you, you they without made that. They enchilada sauce for the yes, day. They made enchilada sauce. Okay. And to me, as a make or break, especially for Mexican 
Mexican food that if the rice is mm-hmm. off, then yeah, you know okay. the rice is key, yeah. right? And Yvonne's still learning her mom's recipe. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly, I'll be honest with you. Rice stumps most people. It's, it's hard. hard. Even chefs, like I, I watch them, like, what are you doing? Yeah, and, like, and honestly, like everything as you do it a thousand times gets very much easier. But at first. I don't care who you are. I'm like, what, what did you do? You're yeah. like, a, you're, yeah. I always mess up the rice, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so many people, you're not alone. It's hard. Well, you've been trying to cook that rice for, what, 15 years? Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, going to school for business administration, management, leadership, which is great. So I got a management degree, so I, I kind of get a feel of the coursework that you're taking. But you're also part of Delta Sigma Phi. Yeah. Um, so right. t- tell us about that a little bit. You know, we started Delta Sigma Phi when, when it came, so we were the, the the, the, um, the founding fathers of it. Um, it was fun. It was cool to be part of, a, of of a group of guys that are, you know, trying to do this thing that you, it's almost like, you know, a presidency. You really don't see the rewards till after you get out. Right. But social media hit and they screwed, that screwed yeah. up everything. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, these guys messed up. But, um, you know, it was, it was cool you know, being with a group of friends that, you know, like, I'm still, like, we're still, we That's still cool. talk all the time. So nice. I think, you know, for you to say, I think the relationships built are number one for me. Right. My wife was part of um, AKSI, um, okay. it's a business fraternity, and she was president of that. And, and so we met at UTSA. But her oh, friends nice. are our group, you know, like, yeah. you know, our kids grow up together. We go, we go at least one vacation a year together. And uh, we're, we're going to New Orleans with two of them this weekend. Um, but it's, you know, they became not only our friends, but our kids are best friends. Mm. Like my daughter is one of their my sons. We're just kind of like, we've always stayed close and um, we had kids about the same time. So we all kind of grew up, all the kids grew up together. So I think the relationships and, um, you know, the Delta Sigma Phi was, was really cool because, you know, it was hard starting that. And it was mm. a lot of, we did all the paperwork, all, yeah. the, all the, the not fun stuff. And and then just getting officially affiliated was a huge thing for us. Mm. So um, it was a lot of fun. And again, it, it came down to the relationships with those guys and, and uh, we, we don't get together as much as possible. We were a little crazy. I mean, honestly, we, did, we didn't know we didn't, we didn't how to handle success. Uh, um, but, you know, it, it's funny. We just we, we threw some really big parties. We didn't know what we did, but we did it fast, you know. Yeah. And so we, we, we had a good time. We came a little popular. But, like, I think the year after we were done, they did something on social media oh, and no. kicked off to campus. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, that I think I remember that. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. That's the problem, I guess, with social media these days. But, I mean, I can see how that experience, too. I mean, you, as a college student, pretty young, trying to figure this stuff out, piece everything together, would contribute to some sort of uh, entrepreneurial oh, yeah. skills that were pulled out of that. Things that have to happen. Like, yeah. you know, everybody wants to party, but there's a lot of things that have to happen right. to make this. And to get on was was not easy. So, you know, learning that and, and, um, and you know. You, you can't miss certain things. Right. right? There's deadlines. Right. And there's, there's things you have to do. So um, I've always been kind of that, the older, older younger guy, you know, yeah. we're always just, okay, this has to be done. Guys, I know we want to do this, but I, you know, this has to be done to be successful. Right. So that, um, that's the same thing with, with opening a restaurant wow. and getting it all done. Incredible. So you graduate in 2003. What is the next step for you coming out of UTSA? Um, I, had a, I had a crazy week. So I also did a business externship at where I was working at Tony Roma's. So it was, you know, my plan was the manager there right after what I was done. So um, I bought a house on Tuesday. Oh I finished gosh. management training on Thursday. I graduated on Friday and my store closed on Saturday. Oh, my what? gosh. True story. Wow. I was like, dude, if I don't a job, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, my god! My plan was a manager, you know, yeah. like, oh, dude, yeah. this is perfect. I'm getting time. You know, I'm amazing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at this timing, I had it all done. Like, I mean, I had money. I never used my, my, my parents had a college fund for me, mm. and I never used it. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to buy a house. Yeah. I want money. I want like, right, to yeah. make that move because if not, I'm, I'm going to waste the money. Sure. Um, yeah. Like so, most college. Yeah. 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 I was like, no, I'm not going to go to Vegas. I'm <laughs> going to buy a house. I can triple so, it. <laughs> yeah. That week <laughs> happened. And I was like, man, you know, my, my GM, I did everything at the restaurant. So I went to the downtown to room. I was like, Hey, I need a job. <laughs> you know, that's the weirdest thing. I've only had three jobs in my life, really. Oh, okay. um, so I've only worked at three restaurants. So I went down there and he's like, well, I don't have management. All I have is, is this, 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 you know, like, you know, you prep cook on this day, bartend on this day. That's all. I was like, 
whatever. Mm. The great thing about the restaurant industry is the people are giving up shifts constantly. Mm. Yeah. So you can become a full-time person like that. Right. Just yeah. on the chat. Hey, I want to. Got it. Hey, uh, got it. I'll take all your shifts because I need yeah. your money. I just bought a house. Yeah. So I was, you know, and then all the money I had went down on the house. So I was like, oh, my God. Um, so my, That's going to be pretty stressful. Oh, I was just, it was, it was kind of funny. You know? I was yeah. like, this is crazy. I was always good with finances. So I always had a cushion, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I have great parents. So I've, I've never worried about money. I really haven't. Yeah. I've always found that it's always worked out for me. Um, I'm a hustler, man. I'm like a bartender yeah. or whatever. I pick up a shift bartending somewhere. So in that industry, if you know people, you can make money. Right. Just kind of hustle. Yeah. So I um, I went down, I went down to and that, that GM or he was a regional manager. He's like, I want to talk you out of being a manager in this industry. Like mm. this is, this is what it's done to me. And yeah, he, he had some, some bad mistakes. You know, he was an opener everywhere and had a, uh, relationship with someone he shouldn't have and he uh mm. you know lost his family and all this like well like, that sounds like a lot of choices you made right you know? yeah. and yeah. i know it's industry that kind of an industry any industry sure you want that he's like well this is just hard and you know and so um i'm trying to, to talk you out of, out of being started. in the industry altogether yeah. because it kind of had a bad you know and it and i understand because the industry is rough and your yeah, turnovers sure. rough the hours are rough the weekends are rough Holidays are rough. Like it is, it is definitely a very tough industry to work in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, it's what I've done, and this is what I want to do, and I want to work for you know, you know, someone that I can learn from. My GM, the at the attend location, got another job, and he brought me in as a manager there. So I worked downtown for maybe a month and a half, maybe two months, and then he gave me a manager job at a place called Asanad downtown. Okay. So Lisa Wong, Bruce Auden. Yeah. It was kind of like, you know, that was kind of my master's program. I always call that like, like, you know, working with Lisa was, you know, she's a tough one. But she really taught me. Like she's a, still a mentor of mine. I mean, is it like your exposure to like actual being a chef? I, yeah, and then actually working with chefs. I've never worked with a chef before. I didn't know. You know, you see it on TV or whatever. Yeah. You know, um, learning learning with Bruce Auden. That guy's like Godfather. You know, yeah. he's like that. He was one of the first chef driven restaurants in San Antonio, and you know, um, the place flooded. From Valencia, like flooded yeah. the the I don't know, nobody knows this, but it flooded the restaurant. So like I don't know if you've been in Asanada, yeah. remember, remember see the remember the wood the, the wood yeah. like things, <laughs> all of them all water all the paint was full of water. Oh my goodness! And I, I'm getting there, Lisa. When you I'm talking about Lisa, I almost have to cuss. Um, <laughs> I think Lisa, like you need to come over here, like because I was the first one there in the morning. It's like why, honey? And I was like you just gotta. <laughs> You gotta see this. I don't even know what to do because all the wood was burned. Dude, they spent so much money on this, and there was, you know, the pockets of water that was in the paint mm. were just sagging down everywhere. It was wow. unbelievable. Ew. You just have to come see this, you know. And she's like, "Okay, be there." She's like, "God, they're what?" <laughs> she goes crazy. It puts yeah. us back months. It sounded like she was having a good day that day. Oh, man. She's <laughs> always like, she's always. That's how she. I've I unfortunately had to. Yeah, tell her about a bunch of things that went, that went wrong. Like, yeah. you gotta come over here. What is it? Like, you just got to come over here. Yeah, so, yeah. Little things happen. Then another yeah. guy, they they stained all the floor. This guy got just ambitious and thought he would clean the floors. And he, like, sprayed bleach, straight oh. bleach, and messed up all the stains. Oh, no. So she comes over to I'm like, sorry to tell you this. It wasn't me. I promise. But um, so, you know, I I, I worked uh, I worked there for a little while. And, and with working with her was, I don't know, like, I tell you what, like, it was the best education I could get working with Bruce. And I had to be Bruce's note taker because I had nowhere to work. The mm-hmm. restaurant was flooded. They had to restart. So I, you know, Bruce is a tyrant, man. Like, oh, and of course, I know there's a chef at a certain point of his life. And then there's a certain point of his life where he, like, stops being such an ass. And then he's, he's nicer. And he's like, I don't know why I was like that for so many years. Like, uh-huh. And so a lot of chefs, like, I got to meet them at their good time or their life. So Bruce, it, they, he kind of took me in. I would tell him stuff. And, and everybody's looking like, dude, what are you doing? Like, don't talk to him. I'm like, well, he did this. Like, you know, I'm going to tell him that he did that. 
he's going to fire. He's like, he really can't fire me. Like, yeah. I don't even work for this restaurant. <laughs> yeah. So he was, um, he was a very interesting person. I got to watch him like it is, is like a chef work. Incredible. Like, That's awesome. Like it was intense. And Lisa worked too. Like she was crazy. Yeah. And she, but, she, but to talk about attention to detail, how it should be old school's right. Doing things, you know, and keeping those rules on yourself. Mm. That's what I taught from them too. And I learned from them too. And it was just invaluable. Like, yeah. I think about them all the time. Cause I remember those lessons, you know, those yeah. on, on hand lessons. You can't, there's no education for that. You so know? are you, are you the tyrant right now? Or are no, you like, no. honestly, I got, I got to see both of Bruce and you know, he, he would plate something. It was, and we're all there watching all, you know, you gotta see how scared these people are. And I, you know, at first I was like, I don't even know who Bruce was to be very honest. Yeah. I looked at him. I was like, Oh, he's, you know, he's a really very, he's a badass. You know, I, I didn't know how big he was. Mm-hmm. And he makes this piece little frail skinny dude you know so he didn't you know it's not scary but he plating stuff and you and he plated it boom that's how it's going to be okay fire you start firing this food and this guy's plating and he's shaking i'm like hey man oh calm gosh. down wow and he's plating some carrots and did a uh, you know it was a lamb shank and like a a uh, like potato mash you know he's plating and he's just shaking i was like hey and, just, and his pan is just shaking. And Bruce is just getting more pissed and more pissed. It's <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, no. played it. And, he's, and he looked at it and he's like, we're not doing it like that anymore. And he threw the plate. And everybody's just quiet. Because, you know, like, first of all, I've never seen someone throw a plate like that. Yeah, yeah. And he threw it in the trash. And so I went over there, I got it out of the trash. And I was like, you know, you don't got to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and and then everybody's like, and we're looking at me like, dude, shut up. <laughs> and I was like, first of all, you plated it exactly like that. You did. I watched you. And then this guy did it, and you're saying it's wrong. It's like, we don't do that like that anymore. <laughs> and all of us was like, since when? Since now. And he did it again the way he wanted it. I guess he, he didn't say it. The conversation happened in his head, but he didn't tell him or he yeah, or nothing. Yeah, yeah. And then he, and then, um, you know, everybody's looking at me like, like, dude, shut up. So I saw that. I saw that. And then we sat down. He told me, like, you know, no one. No one's ever told me that before. Like, do you understand? You didn't have that conversation. The conversation you didn't tell him. Mm-hmm. Then you're yelling at this guy. This guy's obviously scared. Yeah. Like, he's shaking in his boots. Like, but what if you lose these guys? You need them. Like, stop treating them like that. Right, yeah. And so, you know, you know, I saw that. I saw Lisa treat people like crazy and, and all this. So I, I was like, nah, man, that doesn't work. Right, yeah. And at the end of the day, like, doesn't work. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of communication does not work. Interesting so, perspective there. Yeah. I it got makes to for see good it, reality like, TV mm-hmm. on those shows. Yeah. It's not, not, not every not, day. No, not every day. Not every day. You treat them with respect. And, you know, now it's even worse. Yeah. You know, they'll leave for nothing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Back then, I see some, like, uh, heavy abuse. Like, you know. Not yeah. physical, just like, dude, yeah. you're not gonna they're not gonna work for you long term like that. So you have to lead, you mm-hmm. have to do things differently. And I, I, I saw that even with my dad and, and the, these lessons of like, hey, you gotta treat people right yeah. if you want them to work with you long term. Right. So I didn't really have a lot of turnover. Like we had a really strong crew for a long time. Wow. And um I I saw Cappy, Cappy Lawton. You know, mm-hmm. the way he, you know, he getting a little older. I got him at the end of his life in yeah. his restaurant. So I got to see them whenever he started, like, oh, talking to people, teaching them, giving them books to read. You know, all these things that, that really helped them. I got to see that. So I was very lucky to to be about a decade late. Wow. Know? Wow. Fascinating. Well, I mean, you spent some time at Rosario's, Cappy's on Broadway, the general manager for La Fonda on Main, uh, and all that's kind of pulling together. Um, you know, at what point do you decide not to be a club owner and go into the restaurant business? You know, it was Cappy's was fascinating. I got to learn some high-ender stuff, stuff there and really, you know, dive into the Alamo Heights area and where people really appreciated food. Mm-hmm. Downtown was a real fast game. Come in, come out, you know, kind of like, eh, they don't come back. Yeah. It's okay. Not a tourist. Yeah, not, really? a t- very, yeah. not a tourist. It was very a weird attitude. Kind of. A, I mean, do you feel that's still the case downtown? I think so. Downtown's a strange cat. Yeah. Strange place. Yeah, it's really hard because we don't want to go downtown. We yeah. don't want to pay for parking like locals. But but when you're in town for a convention, you're going to go downtown. Sure. You're going to spend money, and so you know, Cap is more like. We want these people to come back, mm-hmm. and I know that sounds really strange. No, but it's like it the was, locals. Like it was the locals. It's like a you want to go to Cappy's, you yeah. want to do that. So I worked there in Lafondo. You know, was what I became GM of Lafondo. So um, both of those, you know, I, again, I got Cappy at the right time of his life, where I got to learn a lot of, a lot of stuff from him. So it was more of a, you know, he, you know, and he told me to, you know, how I can better myself. He gave me ten books to read, and I, I didn't read them for the first ten years. And I just, you know, kind of like, ah, I got this old man. Scoot over. You know? <laughs> and I was, you know, I was busy. I was running a, a very, very, very 
big restaurant mm-hmm. where it was waits for two hours. So when I came to Cappy's, I'm like, hey, we're, you know, me and the chef, Gabe, we, we got together. and was like, hey, man, he's running a real busy place. Like, this place can be busier, man. Let's get a better menu. Let's do this. And then it started getting busier. busier. I built a wait. And I, I did all these things at bigger restaurants, too. And Cappy's was like, what are you doing? Why are the butts waiting? I'm like, well, they're, they're waiting because their table's not ready. And we can't just bombard the kitchen because I want to, I want great food to come out. So I'm going to sit them systematically. I'm going to do this right. But please don't mess up the system. Mm. Like we went from 2,000, the 3,000, the 4,000, the 6,000 dollar brunches. Like, like we were just, and she's like, man, how are you doing? I'm like, watch. And how, you know, Howard Butt comes Interesting. in. Like, you know, Susie, let, let the boy work. He knows what he's doing. I've been. I come every <laughs> Sunday. I've watched it grow. I've watched it grow. Like he, he's really good at this. And so I just it got to a point where even even the final we started at one point four million. When I left, we were at four point five million. Whoa, mm. big jump. Yeah. And you know, Cappy said, when you get bored, probably need to find something else to do. Mm. So I remember coming on Friday night. He's like, mm, two hundred in the back. We had one hundred fifty offsite. We have five hundred on the on the books. You know, this manager's here. Have everybody done? He's like, man. Hey, we're going to do, you know, a lot of money that day. I forgot the number, but it was high. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you need to be here? Like, no. Go on. You yeah. sure? He's like, you have a banquet manager? You have a floor manager? You have a major on catering? Seems to be like the res- we introduced the reservation system, which was really hard in a 100-year-old restaurant. Right? Yeah. Because people don't like that. Right, um, yeah. So introducing these systems that really worked, and he's like, go on. And I was like, you got it. You did your job. And I was like, okay. And I started thinking, you know, I did. Like, I have it down. Like, yeah. it's a science. You know, it, it, it's, it became like uh, my systems were working. Mm-hmm. So you kind of created your own your own systems, not from a book, not from anything else. And I just felt at that point where, I, you know, I could do this for my, my own. On, on my own, yeah. So how do you fall on to, so let's say you have the concept in your brain and say, okay, I've got the business side down. I want to open the restaurant. How do you come up with the the game plan of, what you're going to serve, right? What is the menu going to be? And like, how do you make that decision on location to make sure that's going to best serve that area? Oh man, I don't know if it's that precise. (laughs) (laughs) So I I knew what I could do. And at the, at the time, you know, I was, I was a GM, uh, the chef at La Fonda was a chef. He grew up in Cappy's family. So he knew everybody and he was, you know, his, his mom took care of Cappy's kids. So he's kind of just like made his way into the kitchen and kind of took over. Was he, was this his life? No. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't read the books. He didn't go to the restaurants. Like you have to, you have to engross yourself. I, I, th- I think about food all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly, you know, constantly watching stuff, constantly reading things. And you know what, you know, he would, he would make something. He's like, Hey man, I, I can't do it like you. I, you. I need someone to plate it for me. And he can make some really good things. He just didn't know how to plate it. Mm-hmm. And so I let, let's play. And I, oh, I didn't know either. I was like, okay, well, then. But I've, I've watched a lot of stuff and I've watched, you know, I'm really into the game. Mm-hmm. And so plating things up and getting it over there is like, well, man, I want to do this. This is what this is what I'd like to do. Um, you know, I thought about food truck for a long time. I was like, man, this yeah. is a little more. I feel like it's a low, low overhead way in. Yeah, right? oh, you get this, you know, going. And then um, this location opened on Fredsburg. And honestly, wasn't the best location. No, it wasn't mm. the best. You know, I know it had a lot of potential. My medical centers there, USA is there. They had a lot of really good things going for it. Didn't I mean, Fredericksburg really have... is a busy road. Yeah, you know? it is. I mean, it just at the time, there just wasn't a lot out there, and yeah. it wasn't really a reason to go out there and eat. It was. It was a little strange, you know. So, um, you know, I, I I befriended some people that didn't even know me. Jason Dady, like he was like, oh, I, yeah. I got his email somehow. I don't even know how the how this happened. <laughs> Hey, chef, you don't know me, but I really just appreciate what you do, how you treat your people and what you're doing. Like, I'm thinking about this this restaurant, uh, you know, tell them about my, my past. And I really, really like your opinion if I should open this. John hit on the same thing. You know, just like I mm-hmm. sent out these these messages. I, I didn't know him. I wow. really didn't. Wow. And um, not many people responded. But Jason said, my wife and I sat out there for an hour. You have, and he started like, your per capita income's this. You'll have, you have, you know, 87,000 people driving through there or 57,000 people driving through there every day. Medi- you know, USA is two miles down the road. Medical center is one down the road. Like, you'll kill it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, I, I honestly, like, that really changed things. Because everybody else was like, go to the Pearl. Right, go, yeah. to go to Southtown. And I did. I looked. Honestly, it's the rent structure. And I really learned that, you know, you don't make money on your food and anything else. You make your money on your rent structure. If you don't sign a good deal, you're dead. Hmm. 
You know, like I've seen, I, I've, now I consult for people and I look at their, you know, like, Yeah, what, what do you look for in a rent structure for that? Um, one that you can pay. One that you, okay, this seat is worth $90,000 a year. Um, you know, how many seats do I have? How many times can I turn it? Really doing the math, mm-hmm. all math, like wow. 100% math. Okay, if I turn this four times a day, you know, I make this and I make this times, you know, 26 days of the week, you know, because you might be closed one day. Will it make enough to pay the rent mm. after expenses and everything else? So it's just a, just a mathematical wow. equation. And so I put everything in. Boom, 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 boom. I was like, okay, this is I can do it here. Even right. if I even if I sucked, I can do it here. Mm. And so the cool thing was, Petersburg Matter didn't have a really cool place. Let's be honest, it was kind of like there was food yeah. there, but it yeah. wasn't a place that was like the drinks, combining the drinks and exactly. the food together and doing what we were doing was just not not there. Yeah, and so. Um, and food that I was, I, it got a little too stuffy at La Fonda. As, as we started raising the bar, like the expectations got higher and higher and higher, and it had to be you know, Mexican cuisine and it had to be this, had to be that. And it got kind of not fun, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to do some fun food that we can just, very approachable. I want it to be a once a week place where it's like the price point's good. They come in, it's not, it's no brainer. And mm-hmm. I can feed you, and I can feed you, and I can feed you vegetarian. I mean, the chicken person, the beef person, the fish person. Asian where there's, there's no, yeah. well, it wasn't that much then. It was okay. a lot of Mexican. It was a lot of yeah. just kind of barbecue Mexican and all that. So, and then I wanted to make sure that, that it had something for everybody. It was a very easy decision to go right, to. So, yeah. Um, and that I connect to you. Cause at at that point, I don't think I would call myself a chef. You know, I wasn't there yet. And I remember the first time anybody ever called me that, I thought it was so strange. Right. And I did, almost didn't think, seem worthy. It was Roma from, from Great ASA. <laughs> and I'm like, I wanted to correct her. I'm like, well, I'm not. I didn't because we were on TV. Right. And, um. It was really strange, like man, like it's almost like manifested into the fact that I, yeah, I can, I can do this. Yeah. I do belong in this game. And I do belong in this community. And it took me years to actually do that until all the other chefs, like, they keep keep doing what you're doing. Wow, um, Jason, him, he's like. I don't care what you call yourself, you can cook. You know, you, yeah. can, you can call yourself whatever you want, but you, yeah. you're good at this game, and I think it's just in you. you know? Yeah. So when you open Sangria on the Burger, and you're, you have those first set of customers coming in, and and for those that may may not have have been before, you combine Texas barbecue with Mexican spices, mm-hmm. flavors of the area. Like, and to me, you kind of explained it best in that, you know, you cook off of smell and then it brings back memories of, yeah. of what you experienced and you know that that's going to taste good, right? Mm-hmm. Your first experience in opening the doors, having people sit down and realizing, wow, like they are liking it. At what point did you feel that that switch turned on like this is going to work out? You know, it was probably, you know, my wife was always like, you know, if you cook like what you cook for us, like you'll be fine. Yeah. And so um, I remember making a like a fideo because we do, you know, I, I knew I, I took a lot of things from La Fonda that I knew worked. You know, people love tacos. Like this is the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. Like, we just do. We're just Taco Town, right? right? It doesn't matter. We did a fideo. Everybody loved that. And I said, like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put that as a mainstay. And we're making a fideo for my, with my grandfather's recipe. And right, I didn't even have the recipe. I just remember like him, what he was doing. And it smelled like him. It smelled like his house. Like, wow. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. Um, I guess when people started coming in, it was, it was a lot of friends and family at first. And I think that that's, um, that's your start, right? Friends, family coming in. I, I think when, you know, it was kind of like, okay, I just wanted to execute. I want to get this out of speed and all this, you know, everything, this new team that came together, which a lot of my team followed me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, why, that's why Cappy doesn't like me. <laughs> but, you know, they, I hired them 12 years. I worked with them for a long time. Right. So, like, hey, you doing something? And we'd love to come with you. So, we, we had this little group that was like, hey, put your two weeks notice, do everything right. Let's, let's, let's do right by everybody. But I think when the first first people came in, it, you know, I don't know. I think I was I was focused on so many things. It was it was uh you know appreciating the people like whether it's a regular at a bar or a regular somewhere. One of our old coworkers come in. It was just a real real special moment. But I, I never forget whenever I really knew it was going to work is when we went into the dining room and it was full and it was packed and I didn't have one person. Oh, I think yeah. that's when you know. Because your friends and family are only going to come for a little while. Right? Right, yeah, yeah. Because some of them don't even live here. They live out of town. They're going to drive up. You know, they're going to support you yeah. as much as possible. But after a while, that kind of dies up, let's be honest. Yeah. So when your place is busy and you look around, you're like, I don't know one person here. Like, I think that's that's the mark of wow. you're, you're probably going to make it. Yeah. You know, if people are just starting to hear about it and all that, that was really the moment for me. Wow, that's so, special. I know that sounds weird. But no, like, no, I mean, and, and think about the, 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 not many people experience that yeah. either. So how did you come up with Sangria on the oh, bird? How'd that name come up? So I used to make, 
sangria for uh, friends, mainly girls. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> we go to parties, whatever. I'd make sangria, and I had this one. And I, I, um, I grew up drinking Southern Comfort, probably way too, way too much Southern Comfort. <laughs> but um, it was one of these things that we would just like take a shot of, put it in the freezer, thinking we'd play pool at my house, and we, you know, um, we, we, I started making this sangria, take it somewhere there, and then it kind of, kind of became expected. You know, yeah. you didn't bring sangria. Mm. Oh, I didn't. And think about it, like bring it, and so especially the girls, they were very popular. So like pouring, <laughs> pouring sangria, and, and um, I was like, man, that would be cool. And then I started, just, I looked it up. Like there wasn't one sang- restaurant sangria restaurant in the nation. There was oh, one wow. in another in another country. I was like, man, what if I can make different sangrias? You know, like white kind of makes sense. Yeah, just replace white right with red, and then um, then we tried the grapefruit at first. The grapefruit, I was like, man, let's do another whiskey. We were in Texas, I think whiskey goes. I don't do the brandy. I don't do mm-hmm. the original. So. Some people are like, this isn't sangria. I was like, it's delicious. It's <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, made those and now they all tasted the same. So then I had to really go like, just like food, really grapefruit, the grapefruit soda and grapefruit juice and, mm-hmm. and grapefruit uh, deep eddies. So really, really grapefruit. So if you love grapefruit, you love it. If you don't, you don't. Right. Jameson, we did, you know, we made a, a ginger simple syrup. We made a ginger, a ginger ale. We went really, really Jameson that way. So we tried to make them where they're like distinct. At first we made too many flavors and making the flights was was hell. Yeah. Oh man, because you had to read the ticket and like okay, this one, this one, this one, and it was just oh, so yeah. slow. So no, a flight is these four. That's right. it. Uh, because the flight, the flight was really what just yeah just took off, yeah. and that was like honestly beyond everything. I think it was the flight. Yeah. Well, I think that the Which name I, is perfect there because I mean think on about the like, oh, I, guess. I know, and I was like on the Berg. Yeah, yeah. It was the only Berg in San Antonio. First Berg, the only Berg in San Antonio. So I'm a Steelers fan. And so let's take a moment for that. <laughs> so I'm a Steelers fan. And so I listened to NFL radio back at the time, you know, XM radio, whatever it was. And there was a there was a um, truck driver. He was named Adrian from the Berg. And he would come on. This dude was good. Like he wasn't a, it wasn't a profession. He was a truck driver, but he was on every single podcast or any any sports radio. And he would come on. He would deliver. And everybody's like, oh, Adrian for the birds with us. And he would come on and he would just break down the game. He was actually really, really good at it. And so everybody kind of excited about it. It's like, man, I like the way that sounds. That's cool. Man, this is the first, the only bird. And I want to make it specific, you know, you know, location specific because, Eventually, it will be another sangria. I tried other ventures and all that stuff. I opened other restaurants, and I was kind of addicted to opening, you know, trying new concepts, right? I yeah. really like that. Sangria needs to happen again, so that wherever it is, we'll have a sangria. Need a clever name there. But I mean, the, the, the area is perfect, too. So USAA, the medical center, mm-hmm. you have all those people getting out of work. But sangria, I feel like the drink itself is a great mm-hmm. happy hour drink. It is. Right. Yeah. So and you can go get a flight, try different kinds, which uh, which is great, too. And it's all located right there. And then the accolades you've gotten along the way is great, too, because, I mean, the the name of the place, the location, the marketing aspect of, of a business is important. But the exposure you've gotten over time, too, you know, just, you know, multiple times on the news. Culture Map Tastemaker Award Best Chef nominee. That's got to be incredible. Number one to be have the oh. title of chef and <laughs> yeah, then be nominated like- for something as a chef, and then a USA Today Top Ten list. Wow! And then also on the Guy Fieri's Grocery Games. How did oh, that yeah. come about? Um, Instagram. <laughs> they found that's how they, they go out there. They find people. They have kind of headhunters, and and then they're like, "Hey, you know, we'd like to let you go on here." It was a, it was a long process to get on, uh, but they there was Instagram. Like the food looks good. We love what you're doing. They they uh, they study you a lot. It's kind of it's kind of, <clears throat> kind of strange, but you know when you get there and you know we just like to we have all these interviews. You know they see if you're TV if you can talk if you right, can do yeah. cook and talk do all this stuff. So we had a, a bunch probably like nine or ten interviews. It was a lot. Wow. So then you talk to the producer at the end, and then um, it's very kind of like, hey, we have a, bracket, a, a window. And it's like a month and a half, two months. We need you to be able to go at any moment. And you're like, oh, okay. yes. And you, you have to commit. And yeah. they called on a Thursday for Monday. We're flying out Monday. Like, oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> and so you have to have your stuff together, you know, especially in your business. You have to be able to be there, but be able to. Just go. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be like that. I thought we would have some lead time. Oh, Especially as a business owner. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, you know, um, it was the coolest experience of my life. It wow. It was amazing. And, and, you know, guy, and where did y'all film at? Yeah, I was in California. Okay. So, you know. To get flown halfway around the country to, to cook is, is a, really as a cool. chef. Yeah. <laughs> really cool thing. And Guy was amazing and, you know, very, you know, you hear a lot about celebrities, right? Yeah, he yeah. was just a 
down guy that wants to make you successful. Well, I feel like he's a he fan does. of San Antonio too. He loves yes. man. He just you know he loves it. He is like he's a very very smart person. Like okay. I I didn't know he was that involved in the show. And you watch him work, and you're like, dude, this guy's like even talking about even the judges how what words they use. And I was just listening, like, dude, this dude's all wow. over the place. Um, very on top of it, very focused, and and very about like, hey, we're gonna make you look good. So if something happens that doesn't make you look good, it won't be on the show. Mm-hmm. Make you feel really comfortable. Because people were, I don't know, I wasn't that nervous. I just, I wasn't. I was watching other people just free, like, you know, sure. <sighs> I can't do this. Like, yeah. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You're going back to your, to your SNR days. Yeah. <laughs> it was just real, like, you're watching all this happen. I was like, okay, I'm just, I, I, I did the timing. I had a lot of what, I already had a, a game plan for what I was going to make. And they kind of, I knew some people that went to the show already. So I'm like, hey, was I do have a game plan of what you're going to cook? No, you have 30 minutes. Know that you Think about the things that you can cook fast and do that. Don't don't try to be fancy. Don't don't do if it takes a day to cook. Don't don't do it. Yeah, you're not gonna win. Right, right. And play the game. You know. So it was a real. It was a really cool experience. It was a lot of fun. And um, I gotta say, like you know, did that. We did a food paradise as well. Right. So so. I don't know. It's really strange. (laughs) Unless you're like you know, people call you're like. You know, I was almost on another show this this year, but they postponed it until next year. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that was it, it. Really helped. You know, really helped the rest. Well, I mean, it helps really put helped. you put you on the map, right? Yeah. And and just on the culinary radar. Yeah. And you ended up getting second on the grocery grains. So, it was close. I mean, that's that's and and you you maintain relationships with the other chefs oh, on yeah. the show. Yeah, we talk all the time. So, you know, some of them, you know, you know, you know, they, you know, we had a venture going at the same time with Chef Tobias, the one that won, and both of those actually ventures I end up closing and you know watch him opening another one so just follow them he's done a lot with the food network uh, since then and uh just follow them and if i go to if i happen to go to colorado visit you know the one that's over there and we try to make sure that um you know that i i maintain relationship with a lot of people and sure, it's really yeah. great to meet all these people and uh go to another city i always call one up like hey let's let's I'm kind of. This makes no sense, but I'll go cook at a at a restaurant over there. Like let's have a let's have a like collaboration. A yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I'll bring a couple of briskets and we'll rock it out. And yeah. um, well, I say, what are you doing? Like this is fun. Like we're gonna cook a really cool meal, make a little Texas and wherever. So. That's uh, those relationships, the same thing. Was well, I mean, that could be on the Food Network, too, to where they follow you around and, and jump around. So hopefully we'll see that as well. And then potentially the next show that kind of comes to fruition. But, you know, outside of that, I mean, last question I have for you is, is what's the game plan? You had mentioned potentially of expanding on Sangria. What's what's the plan there? You know, I'll be very honest. COVID changed the game. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I don't, talk a little I, bit about that. How man. did you navigate? That. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how it worked. Like I was, it was so scary and so like your 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 bottom fell out, right? right? Yeah. Like you, and you just like everybody else, you watch it on the news and you're like, we're closing down tomorrow. You know, like we've everybody never closed. Home, everybody yeah. has to go home. Like we're and then, still like, do. and then, but you know, we're like, essential at that point, and so we're gonna still be open for people that to go. And um, you know, people were scared to work, and some yeah. of them just didn't want to work. Let's be honest. Yeah. And they're like, "Hey, I'm, I'm making this a staying at home. You know, I'm not coming back." Oh yeah. Like, yeah. You argue with that, you know? Yeah. Like, and you were and some, you know. Some of them, I get it. Like, I'm open 25%. I can't pay you as much as that. There's no way. Right. And so we we pivoted at every moment. I We became a grocery store. I could get stuff from our food vendors that wasn't at HEB. So mm-hmm. we became a grocery store. Oh, my God. People, you know, bash us for price gouging and all that. It's like, I'm not HEB. Yeah. I don't have that buying power. This right. is, here's my receipts. And so dude, I was getting tagged in the governor. The governor, because, oh, he's price gouging. He goes, all that. No he goes, way. Really the governor called me. What? He's what? Like, Keep doing what you're doing. Don't, because I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to, people to feel. I wrote him, I wrote him a bunch of times. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. They're tagging you in this stuff. You obviously, someone, or someone from your cabinet sees this. Um, but like, we're getting like hate mail. And mm. hate, you know, people like, you should be ashamed of yourself. And I was like, I'm just trying to provide something. Yeah, yes, yeah. we have to mark it up, but it became a place where the older people went. They didn't have to come inside, so they're waiting out in their car. We would get their list, take it out to them, put it in their back seat, and they would go. So, you know, he's like, just keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't worry about anything. Like, we're not, we're not even because I was, well, you're getting, I was getting 
like threats. Yeah. You know, like you, you know, you, you keep doing this. Well, I remember it, was a, it was a solid like month of like people like keying in on the price gouging side of things. And like you said, you're you're not just, a mega a mega food chain. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? Like, you know, they they charge me what they charge me, and I'm like, I have to market up some and you know, we pivoted, we started doing, you know, I was delivering food. That's I was a driver at night, you know. Wow. And, you know, I didn't I was, my insurance, I was like, dude, can my can these guys drive? Because I didn't have that insurance insurance like just 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 keep doing it. Man. Mm-hmm. Don't don't worry about anything. We'll cover it if it, if something happens. So I remember they I went to somebody's house and I delivered and they're like, What are you doing here? I'm like I'm your delivery driver tonight. And so we, we took a picture together, which you probably shouldn't know. And we got just as much hate for the team in the picture. Oh, my God. Like, y'all should be taking a picture together. And I'm like, oh, God, you're right. You're right. You're, you're actually right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. So they posted it like, hey, you never know. And the news picked up on it. You never know who's delivering chefs out there delivering. Um, I was like, hey, I'm just, I'm just trying to, wow. I'm just yeah. trying to make it right now. Yeah. To be honest, I'm just trying to make it. Coca Cola saw that they picked up, they started doing, like every week, the delivery of like 400 meals, so wow. to keep us going. Wow. Like stuff Holy happened cow. to keep us going. I'm, yeah. I'm not kidding you. I, I cook for ranches and I cook for people privately. And I remember, I remember one time, I wasn't gonna make payroll. Finally, we had run out of all of our money. Mm. Like we, we put everything in to keep staying open. Um, we didn't make money for a long time, you know, because we we're just trying to pay our people, keep the core together. And it was like four thousand short. I never been like that, you know, mm-hmm. crying. Like, oh man, like who do I pay? Who who has no income? Who, you know, who can if I can pay him next week, it'll it'll be I can right. you know, who is strapped, you know, yeah, yeah. who needs the money like yesterday. Right. And so really picking and choosing what am I gonna do? And um one of my old guys that I cook for his family, all Mexican, Chair Mexican cuisine, his family's from Mexico and um it's like, hey buddy, long and I have two phones, long time, uh mother in law's birthday. You know what she likes. I want to blow it up. Uh, four thousand my budget. I just sent it to you, and the other phone went off with the four thousand. No way. <laughs> True story. Wow. Wow. That is incredible. That is incredible. No, no. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and we were looking for groceries at restaurants too. Yeah, we frolos. Yeah, frolos. They were getting, we were getting eggs, eggs and, and, and whatever it could, and and it was we yeah. could get eggs. H E B couldn't. Right. Yeah. So we. <laughs> You know, the Labatt lent us a truck because oh. we're refrigeration. We had oh, the wow. flat, and you had the flats of eggs. You know, we get the big cases. So we're like, hey, a flat is this much. We'd wrap it. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. They were like bagging up like flour into gallon bags because we would get like 50 pound bags. Then they sent us to know, like, hey, you, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Like, yeah. beans, we were putting them in gallon bags. And, like, and then I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, yeah. j- just keep doing it. Because yeah. yeah. like, no, no one needs a 50 pound bag of beans, but I got it. So we were like putting them in gallon bags and labeling them. Mm. Like, hey, it's like that that's not. I was like, yeah. dude, people need beans and rice and just regular stuff to eat. Yeah. Um, I never got into the meats that much because I just felt like, oh, that's that's a little, yeah, that's a little yeah. too much. But yeah, pe- people were just, I mean, toilet paper, yeah. you know, uh-huh. stuff like that. We would get a case or two cases and we're like, okay, you, don't, you only get two. And we're yeah. <laughs> right. it was yeah. strange. So it crazy. was really strange what we did. And it was like, you know, I don't know if that ever made any money, yeah. but like it, it just kept people coming by and then they would order, you know, they would say, okay, what saved us was alcohol to go. <laughs> I was going to say, sangria. No, 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 honestly, then when that, when the governor did that. Yeah. Like that one? Okay, I'm sorry. It wasn't cool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It didn't change our life, but it was like, okay, that's yeah. a, that's a, it's a game changer. It's a little bit of that. Like, okay, I think I think we're gonna make it. Holy cow! It was you know, I sold a gallon for like forty bucks. You get like ten drinks out of that, so it was like a really good deal at the end yeah. of the day. And you know, we were just and then everywhere they came, they would buy this, 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 this. Two gallons of sangria, like, okay, oh, you know, there was just enough to, to keep us going. Wow. And that's all it was, you know. I was cooking at ranches, I was cooking at people's houses because mom turned 70. You got to do something for her. So we were there in our masks and, yeah. like, you know, quarantined off to, the, like, like off to the side. And, like, hey, we really don't want anybody coming in our little kitchen area, if you don't mind. We just want to cook, serve. And we're going to get go. out. Yeah. Um, because it was, we didn't tell. Like, our guys were dropping like flies, too. Right, so yeah. it's hard. You have, you know, 10 people. And five of them have COVID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Well, well, I mean, just the hustle that's there, man. And the way that you too is, you know, because we were talking a little bit about social media on the on the, the fraternity side of things, but how it's really kind of changed the game for folks like you to be visible everywhere, yeah. right? To create those opportunities, uh, give back to the community. And as as folks that have that had to partake in, in getting groceries from from a restaurant, we appreciate all of yes, that and yeah. the extra work that was put in to get it done. Because it was cool, man. I, I um I tell the stories like, man, they, like, you should write a book. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. we just did whatever we could. Like, anybody that would take us, like, hey, hey, can you come? I was like, yes. Yeah. And, yeah. We, you know, some people didn't have budgets. We're like, we'll do it. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't do it for $7 normally, but I'll, I'll do it. Um, a lot of people were buying for the hotel, for the hospitals. That's another thing mm-hmm. that saved us. Mm-hmm. Hey, we want to buy food for the hospital, you know, 200 meals or whatever. There were times a hospital, so many donations, that they're like, dude, what are we going to do with this food? And there was like, you know, everybody would just, oh, we're going to help. We're a company. We're going to. Well, they didn't organize it with the hospital. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, well, and then I started like, did you ask the hospital? Like, what day is best for them? Because, you know, like, they might not need the food. And they didn't. Yeah. There was some that they had. They had 200 meals sitting there. Like, what do we do with them? I was like, well, I don't have refrigeration. So we had to refrigerate them, take them to the. Everybody forgot about the, the night crew. Oh, I was like, well, yeah. I'm bring them back at 11. Yeah. So we ran to 11. They were cold, and then we we got them cold. But at least the night crew had some food. So it was yeah. everybody got that that little everybody trying to like contribute to help the the first mm-hmm. responders and all that stuff. That helped us too because we were right there, and they were like, "Hey, can That's we right. can we yeah. we want this many meals for this?" And I was like, "Yes, wow. yes, we'll do it." Wow. At that time, you said you didn't. I, I told myself now I'll never say no. Like you know, no matter what it is, your budget's low. I got you. Like let's you know, because I never I remember begging for them, or right. praying for them to, to come through. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, just completely incredible. We're always looking for ways to support UTSA run businesses. And we want to definitely tell everyone who's listening to make sure you go to Sangria on the Berg, get yourself a flight, enjoy some food from uh, Chef Caesar here. I loved everything I've ever <laughs> eaten there. It is so good. And uh, look, I mean, if there's if there's anything we can do to help, obviously, but thank you for everything that you've done. Good luck on any future TV endeavors. We'll be keeping yeah, an eye on we'll that. keep watching. And uh, we'll be coming by for sure because uh, we're actually not too far away yeah, from there. Yeah, we're like <laughs> so, two minutes Well, this is drive. very convenient <laughs> place for, for, for us you yeah. know, right down the street. Absolutely. Well, well, Chef, we appreciate the time and uh, we look forward to, to speaking with you soon eating some of your food. Yeah. Sounds good. It was right. a pleasure uh, being here and, and telling the story. And every time I tell it, it gets a little, it gets a little better. It's getting closer to the book. Yes. Okay, there like, you go. It's maybe yeah. a few down the road. Absolutely. <laughs> down the road. Awesome. Well, birds up. Birds up. Birds up. So there you have it, Runner Nation, the interview with owner of Sangria on the Berg, Cesar Zapata, and talk about his story of perseverance. We were getting emotional as we were talking about his experience oh, through yeah. COVID and, and really the pivoting they were having to do and then the rallying of the community to really continue his business on. And the restaurant business is one that I'm always really fascinated with. Uh, not only are you needing to design a, a menu that is not already being done a thousand times, but also have a following that will stick around long enough to make mm-hmm. sure that you hold on to some longevity. Yeah. And repetition. I mean, customers want consistency. Any day, at any time, that's got to be the toughest thing, I think, is making sure that your menu is consistent, the quality, everything, the service. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, go check out Sangria on the Berg there on Fredericksburg, just south of the Medical Center, and get yourself a craft Sangria. Yes. Get a flight of them. Yes. And tell them Birds Up Podcast sent you. Yeah, that's right. Caesar, Caesar will take care of you, uh, him yeah. and his team. Uh, so go and check that out. And, you know, he, he is a true alumni because, you know, everything that that he does, you know, he, he's, he can really tie back to the university and mm-hmm. all the things that he learned during his time at UTSA. But Caesar, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate Appreciate it. All the information on the restaurants and Caesars listed in the show notes. So make sure you check that out and get connected and go enjoy some really great barbecue with the the Spanish twist. (laughs) So uh, thank you, Caesar. We really appreciate it. We do want to really kind of touch base on a couple of other sports uh, items here. UTSA women's soccer wrapped up their season with their first season with the American Athletic Conference. And although it didn't have the outcome that they had planned coming in or really wanted to have coming in, UTSA finished a 
among the best defensive teams within their new peer group in the AAC, finishing the regular season with the second best goals against average in the American while ranking 35th in the national stats. And the Roadrunners allowed the second fewest goals in the league, uh, which is only 13 behind only AAC regular season and tournament champion number eight Memphis. And the Tigers actually struggled when they came to Park West, barely getting out of San Antonio uh, with a one to zero win. So ladies, uh, congratulations on, on the first season of the American. And we look forward to the 2024 spring and fall season. And as we rally the alumni base to try to beat that attendance record that we had at Park West this last season. So congratulations. And we look forward to the next season. Also, men's and women's basketball kicked off. Unfortunately, women's basketball took a, a loss in their home uh, season opener against the Arizona Sun Devils. But it is a long season. Basketball is a long one. Uh, the ladies last season were were amazing. You, you heard everything from from Coach Aston in the last interview. There's a lot of work that, that is involved and a lot of young leaders on this women's basketball team. So we are excited for the season ahead. Men's basketball secured Coach Henson's 100th win in their season opener uh, in overtime against Western Illinois. So that's exciting. Make sure you go to GoUTSA.com for season tickets and some of the specials they have going on there uh, as we definitely need to go to the convocation. So the home of your graduation ceremony. Your oh first my gosh, one. <laughs> many, many moons ago. Y'all remember some of y'all alumni listening. You remember. That's right. And, and go check out the men's and women's basketball as their seasons have kicked off. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for downloading. If there's anything you can do, make sure you subscribe and leave us that five-star rating review as it helps us more than you know. We come out with new episodes every other Friday at 6 a.m. And we'll catch you on the next one. Birds up. Birds up.